Amen. Thank you, Doug. Well, I did this to myself. I set up the uh, preaching schedule, and I uh, just didn't think it through, you know? I should have given Doug this one. Uh, Well, good morning, everybody. I am so glad that you're here today. Uh, And you may not know it, but we have an anniversary of sorts to celebrate this morning. It was just a little over a year ago this week that uh, City Light Church over in Omaha prayed for us and commissioned us, uh, sent us on a mission to come plant a church in Council Bluffs. There's the picture, yep. Uh, It was a great day. And I love that, and I love remembering this. Um, This picture was actually on Twitter, so that's why it's kind of pixelated, right? But I love remembering these kinds of things because uh, we get to look back on and remember what uh, these guys prayed for us. Why did they send us out? And as we do that, we just get to see all the ways that God has answered those prayers, right? People have gotten saved. We've done baptisms and baby dedications. People have set aside addictions. Marriages have been restored. People have found a family to belong to and a savior to believe in. There's just been this wave that we've been riding since we've started this church, and we're praying that God just keeps right right on going, right? We don't want it to stop. We want what he's done to multiply over and over again in our city, and that's one of the fun things about an anniversary, isn't it? You get to look back on all that has happened and look ahead with hope and joy to what um, will happen in the future. Um, So, I just want to celebrate that today. You guys uh, hopefully get to celebrate with us. Uh, Speaking of anniversaries, you heard the passage that Doug read. We're talking about marriage today, and the, uh, the Bible says things like, Wives, submit in everything to your husbands, and husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, we're talking about ideas like sacrifice and submission. And let's just be real from the outset. We've all got some baggage when we talk about sacrifice and submission and marriage, right? We come into this room before we even begin with some sort of a notion of what that means. I think in our culture, if you talk about a man and a woman and submission, people are more likely to think of Fifty Shades of Grey than the Bible, right? It's not, not probably great. Others think about um, the feminist movement and all of its waves and a history of chauvinism in society and even the mention of the word submission gets blood boiling. Maybe your mind doesn't go to either of those places. Maybe you're just sitting there thinking, Man, there's not much sacrifice or submission in my marriage. It's kind of broken or fractured. And so you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm glad we came this morning because it's about time he starts sacrificing. Or you're saying, she better submit today because the preacher said it, right? It's in God's word. I don't know where your mind goes, but I think we all have some baggage when we talk about things like sacrifice and submission in marriage. And so let's just be real about that. Let's, let's honor that we have it. And I want to pray today that the Spirit of God would use the Word of God so that we could experience the power of God to set down some of that baggage, okay? To just drop it, let it go, and get a more clear picture of what God is calling us to in His Word, okay? So we just pray that with me. Um, Can we go there today? 
So as I get started, let me tell you, uh, my wife, Sarah, and I, we've been married for 10 years. Um, last July 22nd, uh, 2016, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary. And I got to tell you, um, there were a lot of reasons to celebrate. The double digits is a big deal. You know, you, you don't go back after that. Um, and you probably don't make it to triple. That's hard to do. So we're just there uh, to ride it out. Um, and, and so while we were celebrating, one of the things that I told Sarah I was most excited about uh, for 10 years was, we get to stay in the dance longer. You know what I mean? You go to a wedding reception, and the DJ plays some boys to men ballad or a Shania Twain, you know, old love song, and calls all the married couples out to do that slow dance, and then he just starts peeling them off. If you've been married less than five years, sit down, less than 10 years, sit down, you know? I was like, babe, we get to stay longer, you know? This is awesome. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's uh, the right thing to celebrate at 10 years, but that's where I went. And since this is one of my favorite things to do, I wondered if you would just indulge me today and we'll play the game. Can you do that with me? Marriage, married couples, can you just stand up? We're going to play this game. If you're married, go ahead and stand up. All right. That's a crowd. Good work. Okay. <clears throat> if you're in the honeymoon stage, two years or less, go ahead and take a seat. Couple. All right, man, that's a good season. You got a lot going for you. That's awesome. Well done. Okay, five years or less. Anybody else? There's a, there's a couple. All right, we got some longevity here. Uh, I get to stay standing now. Ten years or less. Go ahead and take a seat. All right, there's a few more. Fifteen. You're in the teenage years of marriage. Oh, man, you guys are doing well. All right, twenty. Two decades. Twenty years or less. Take a seat. I don't think anybody, oh, these guys, okay. All right, quarter century, 25 years or less. You got, all right, three decades, 30 years or less. Go ahead and take a seat. All right, there's some more. We're getting there. All right, from here on out, you've been married longer than I've been alive, all right? <laughs> Just so you know. All right, 35 years, 35 years or less, take a seat. What do we got? Four more? Okay, 40. 40 years or less, you guys, you guys. All right, we got two left. 45? Okay, one left. Four, how long have you guys been married? 60 years. All right. That's incredible, and I promise I didn't tell, you, tell these guys to come today. Those are my grandparents. Uh, okay. 60 years. That's incredible. And I wanted to play that game because I want to tell you there is good news when it comes to marriage today. Okay, we are not defending something outdated and obsolete. We are not protecting something that will be lost if we don't defend it. Marriage is a place of victory and celebration for the people of God. All right, and I know that's true because God's word says that marriage is a profound mystery that refers to Christ and the church. What he's saying is Jesus loves the church and he's going to love the church for all time until the end of time and all that remains is eternity. He's not going to let the church go. And if marriage refers to that, then it's in good hands. 
Amen? So we got something to celebrate today. And I want to start off saying we can celebrate that we're in a good spot, in good hands when it comes to marriage today in the church, all right? So let's celebrate this together. Um, I want to talk, I want to say the, the vision of marriage in Ephesians um, that's set out for us, it is not impossible. It is empowered, Okay? God's spirit is empowering us to do what he's called us to do in our everyday lives, all right? And so I want to look at how that works in marriage. Okay, the book of Ephesians, it was written as a letter to be read all at once. So there's value in reading uh, and memorizing a couple verses in preaching smaller passages um, each week on Sunday. But there's a danger there. Because if we chop it up too much, we might miss out on the themes that run throughout the entire book. And so my goal today, as we get into God's word, is to take a couple of the themes that we've already seen set out in Ephesians and connect them to marriage in what Paul writes today. Okay, that's where we're going to go. Here is our outline, two points. Marriage reveals the mystery and marriage reflects the body. Okay, Uh, we've seen both of these themes, mystery and body, earlier in the book. Marriage reveals the mystery of the gospel, and marriage reflects the body of Christ. Okay, maybe even you could string it together. Marriage reveals the mystery of the gospel when marriages reflect the body of Christ. Okay, Uh, there's my points. Uh, Let's start with number one, mystery. Let's look at what the book of Ephesians has already told us about the mystery of the gospel. Here's what it said. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. All right, what Paul is saying here is that there's a mystery to the gospel. If the gospel were a reality TV show, there would have been a plot twist. That thing that you think, oh man, all the contestants' plans, they now change. What are they going to do? There's something new happening. When Jesus died and rose again, there was a mystery about what was going on, and Paul clues us in to what that was. He says, those who were far off have been brought near. The Gentiles, everybody who wasn't a Jew, after Jesus died, they got brought in to all of the promises, all of the membership and inheritance and blessing of God's grace, just like the Jews got. The the mystery of the gospel is that there's no more us and them, insiders and outsiders, clean and unclean, good and bad. When Jesus died, he died for all sin, for all people, for all time. That is the good news of the gospel. There's oneness and unity for all people in Christ. And so if that's the gospel truth that we saw earlier in the book, then how does it connect to our passage today? All right, Paul's going to tap into mystery again. Let's read Ephesians 5. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother... And hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He says there's another mystery. There's a man, and as he grows, he's going to leave his father and mother. 
the identity that he's had since childhood, he's going to lay that aside and leave them behind. Their relationship with him is no longer going to be the primary relationship that he has. He's no longer going to depend on them and find his identity in them. The man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. He's going to find a new identity in someone else. He's going to become one with that person, be dependent on them, find his primary relationship to be with her. The man will leave his father and mother and that identity, and he will hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, one body. People, two people, very different in history, maybe culture, past, all of that, two people unalike in more ways than they are alike, they will become one. And you might say, the mystery is, why? Why would you do that? How does that happen? What does that look like? Well, Paul is saying that the marriage relationship refers to, it explains for us, it puts on display for the world the relationship that Jesus has with his church. All right, so what does that mean for us? What does it mean that marriage reveals a mystery? I think it means that marriage isn't first about meeting your needs, okay? Marriage isn't first about making you happy. Marriage isn't first about you at all, okay? Marriage is first about revealing the gospel, putting on display the gospel for a watching world. Uh, This happens when uh, Jesus makes people unlike him one with him, right? He's sinless, we're not. He's from heaven, we're not. He is unlike us in more ways than he is like us, yet he loves us. And he invites us into his family to take on his identity and to become one with him. Marriage isn't first about you at all. It's first about Jesus and putting him on display for the world. That's why many marriage vows include for as long as we both shall live, right? It's why we celebrate enduring marriages at wedding receptions, We do that because we're designed to enjoy the eternally enduring, never-ending love of our Father in heaven. Marriage puts on display that kind of love. Anybody can love somebody like them for as long as they feel like loving them. But it's very different. It's harder. It's countercultural to love somebody unlike you and to commit to that love for as long as you both shall live. So I want to pause here for a minute. Marriage reveals the mystery of the gospel. I want to pause here for just a moment and ask. If you sit there and you're feeling like Jesus could never love you because of the ways that you've sinned, because of your history or your past, because of the baggage that you would carry into the relationship, then let me tell you this good news. Jesus loves people who are very unlike him. That is the gospel. 
in the greatest act of love known to mankind, Jesus died on the cross so that those who were far off, those who were unlike him, who didn't know him, he died so that they could be brought near. That's the love of the Father. That's what we see in the marriage relationship. Marriage reveals the mystery of the gospel. Jesus wants you. He loves you. He's for you. Okay? On the other hand, you might be sitting there and you already know Jesus. But you might be living on the edge feeling like if I don't live up to his standards, he's going to abandon me. Right? If I don't meet his requirements, he might reject me. If that's you and you struggle with that, then I want you to hear this good news. Jesus' love is forever. Okay? It isn't dependent on your performance or your achievements. It's dependent on his performance and what he has already achieved on our behalf. He's already secured your place with him in eternity. This is what he said in the Bible. I give them, the people that would follow me, eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Listen, nothing can take us away from Jesus' eternal love, not even death. Jesus' love is forever. He will live, love us as long as he lives, and he doesn't ever die, okay? This is good news. So marriage is designed to reveal the mystery of God's unending, always enduring, undeserved love for people very unlike Marriage reveals the mystery of the gospel. Now, if you're sitting there, you might be like me, and I think, that sounds really good. But if I'm honest, my marriage doesn't really reveal that mystery the way I'd like it to as much as I'd like it to, right? My marriage is not always marked by sacrifice and submission. So what do I do? Well, you can be thankful that the Bible doesn't just tell us that your marriage ought to display, uh, reveal the mystery of the gospel. It tells us how to display the mystery of the gospel, okay? How to reveal it. Marriage reveals the mystery of gospel, the gospel, when it reflects the body of Christ, okay? We're going to move on. Marriage reflects the body of Christ. So let's look at Ephesians earlier in the book where uh, Paul has already talked about this image of the body, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, Uh, He wrote, we, the church, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, okay, is built up. Um, So this is the only point I want to make from here. We, the church, grow up into the head who is Jesus, and from the head is the whole body. Jesus is the head of the church, and we, the church, are his body. That image is continued in our passage on marriage today. So let's look at the Bible. How does marriage reflect the body? We're going to read it again. So buckle in, okay? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his uh, wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, 
but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. You see the theme? Head, body. That's where I want to go with the rest of our time. Okay, here's my last point. Marriages reflect the body of Christ when wives display submissive love and husbands display sacrificial love. Okay? Marriages reflect the body of Christ when wives display submissive love and husbands display sacrificial love. Now, I've just entered the minefield, all right? (laughs) Admittedly, Lots of battles have been fought on this ground. There have been casualties, all right? If I step on one and my leg blows over there, somebody catch it for me, okay? (laughs) I know this is tense ground, all right? But I'm praying that Jesus would redeem this passage for us. I want us, all of us, men and women, single, married, widowed, divorced, I want all of us to celebrate that this passage is in the Bible, not cringe when we hear it, all right? God has given us this for our good, and so I want to get there with you. So we're in the minefield. Let's put down our baggage. Let's check it, get it in another compartment for this leg of the flight, okay? And let's enter in on this journey one step at a time. Since the Bible starts with wives, I'm going to two, okay? Here was the point. Marriage reflects the body of Christ when wives display submissive love. Now, there are so many ways that submission has been defined by the church throughout history that I feel like we need to clarify, okay? Some people have inflated the idea, the call for a wife to submit so far out of its original context and intent that it's led to things like chauvinism and selfishness and emotional distance and even outright abuse. It's been awful. Other people have deflated or diminished the wife's call to submission so much that they outright reject it. And I think miss the blessings that are intended by it. And there's an entire spectrum in between those things. Okay, so I think it might be helpful as we dive into submission to talk about a few things that submission is not. Okay, what I'm not saying. I got some help from this uh, from Dougie, who uh, learned some from Pastor John Piper. Um, so I'm not going to take all the credit for this. Here's my list, our list. First, submission is not easy to understand. So, man or woman, Let's not assume we have it all figured out, okay? Let's just be humble. Number two, submission is not just a historical, cultural idea. It reflects Jesus' relationship to the church, which means it will endure always, and it endures still today, okay? Submission is not inferiority. Uh, Men and women were both created in God's image, with equal dignity, value, and worth. So women, you wives, you are not less than because you're called to submit, okay? Um, Submission is not from every woman to every man all the time to the same degree. The Bible is very clear. It is wife to husband. That's the picture. Um, Submission is not without purpose, 
There's a reason for it. Wives, your loving submission displays the gospel. There's a reason you've been called to it. Submission is not agreeing with everything your husband believes. Wives are not instructed to leave their brains at the wedding altar, okay? You were given minds and thoughts that are intended to grow and flourish. You can and should have your own thoughts, opinions, and feelings, okay? Submission is not doing everything your husband tells you to do. Wives are not children, and submission is not obedience, all right? And finally, submission is not silence. The church submits to Jesus, and Jesus tells the church to pray continually. He wants us talking to him. And so in submission, wives can feel free and should feel free to speak their minds and their thoughts and their feelings and their opinions to their husband. Okay? Submission is none of those things. And you should be encouraged by that. None of those things are good things or biblical things, Jesus-honoring things. So if it's none of those things, then what is it? Look with me again at Ephesians 5, verse 33. Paul writes, Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, now up to this point, Paul has only said the wife should submit to her husband. And he could have said in this last verse, let the wife see that she submits to her husband. But he didn't. He used a clarifying word. He said, respect. If you were to ask me, what does submissive love look like in marriage? I would say it looks like respect. Is that word a little more palatable, right? A little easier to swallow? Walk with me for a minute. Think about some people in your life that you respect. A teacher or a coach, a parent or a mentor, a boss, or a coworker. You got somebody? Think of somebody that you respect. Now think about how you interact with them. How would you show that person that you respect them? How do you relate to them in respect? I, I think for most of us, it's not uncommon. It's not weird or challenging to show somebody respect. Your heart just has a disposition or a posture or a, a, a action toward them that's for them. You want their success. You work hard for them and the things that they care about, right? Who do you respect? How do you interact with them? Wives, I would ask you, when I asked Think about who you respect. Did your husband make the list? Was he on there? As you think about how you've interacted with your man in the last days, weeks, years, is your relationship marked by respect? Do you respect him? Listen, God calls wives to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. If you want to grow into that calling and get the blessings that God intends by it, a great place to start is just intentionally and genuinely building and fostering respect for your man in your heart. All right? Why is that? Is that legit? Can you see this in scripture? That's what submissive love is. It's at the heart of what you're being called to. So 
Here's your homework for the day. Wives, if you've got a husband, um, this is what I want you to do. On your way home today, I want you to get your best wife on, okay? You flip your hair, do whatever you do, okay? And then I want you to turn to your husband and say, baby, I respect you, all right? If you do it just right, he's going to get that boyish grin that you just can't knock off your face when your wife tells you that she respects you. You just can't stop it, okay? And guys, after she says that, you know, get that whatever cheesy grin, you're free to look at her and say, why do you respect me? All right? Wives, you got to have an answer to this. You're going to answer him. And it can be serious or it can be silly. You might say something like, because those biceps have got more flex in them than a trampoline with a fat guy jumping on it, right? <laughs> like, that's okay. I don't know why you respect your man. You can come up with something. All right, give an answer. He's going to love it. I promise you'll love it. There is something really powerful about a wife communicating respect to her husband. So do it. Say it. If he doesn't like it, send him to me because he's got some splaining to do, all right? This is in the Bible. (laughs) Marriage reflects the body when wives display submissive, respectful love, okay? Husbands, it's your turn. I might be running long. I'm talking a lot here, okay? I'm going to try to get through this. Husbands, you're next. Marriage reflects the body when husbands display sacrificial love. Okay, this is what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Spent himself for her. Sacrificed himself for her. Okay, husbands, let me get real with you for a minute. By and large, we are not all that good at this love thing. And many of us, if we're honest, don't even try to be. Maybe don't even want to be. Okay? And I'm going to say some of that, even maybe most of that is our fault, but not all of it. Right? Hollywood, romantic comedies, they've kind of hijacked this idea of love and sapped all the masculinity out of it. You think to love your wife, you got to write poems and wear pastel clothes and cry with your wife all day. Okay, right? Maybe stringing together some words that rhyme isn't all that bad once in a while, but that's not what the Bible's talking about here. Okay, so just like I did for the wives, I want to give you some clarity. Um, What is sacrificial love? What is it not? Okay, here's my list of a few things that sacrificial love is not. Sacrificial love is not sappy love. It's not simply sappy Nicholas Sparks kind of love. A man can show love in masculine ways, and we should. Sacrificial love is not passive love. Relinquishing responsibility is not the way to sacrifice like Jesus did, okay? Sacrificial love is not distant love. You cannot be distant or disconnected from your wife and still know how to sacrificially love her well. Sacrificial love is not dictatorial or disrespectful love. Your wife is not your subordinate or your servant. She's a daughter of King Jesus who he has shared with you as a gift. Okay? Sacrificial love is none of those things. So then what is it? All right? Let's go to the Bible. The Bible says... Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church 
Interesting. Our next question should be, how did Christ love the church? The Bible answers it. He gave himself up for her. He spent himself for her. He sacrificed himself for her. Let me show you a couple verses that talk about how Jesus loved the church. First, Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. That means when we didn't deserve God's love because we were in outright rebellion against him. At our very worst, most undeserving moment, that's when Jesus died for us and showed us the greatest love we've ever known. Husbands, this means whether or not your wife deserves it, whether or not she lives up to her end of the bargain, whether or not she makes it easy or incredibly difficult to love her, it makes no difference to you. You choose. Sacrificial love means you choose to love your wife even in her most undeserving moments because when you were most undeserving of it, Jesus chose to sacrifice himself and show great love to you. Marriage reflects the body of Christ. It reveals the mystery of the gospel and that's sacrificial love, okay? Uh, Romans 5.8. Let's go to one more. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Says this, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, let me work on that for a minute. For us, the church, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, even though he had never known sin, so that in Jesus the church might become sinless, the righteousness of God. That means the sinless man took on sin so that sinful men would get sinlessness. It is a completely unfair and backwards equation. Jesus died a sinner's death on the cross when he had never sinned. So that means sin was not his problem. It was the church's problem. It was our problem. But he didn't leave us there to deal with it on our own. He entered in. He made our problem his problem. And when he took care of the problem, when he wiped it out, he paid the entire price himself and asked nothing of the church. Husbands, what does this mean for you? It means your wife's problems and issues and concerns and fears and hurts and baggage. It is not hers alone. It is yours Your marriage displays the gospel when you show the same sacrificial love to your wife that Jesus showed to the church. So this is what sacrificial love is. It means you make the first move. You take responsibility. You take the first step. You take the risk. You walk out on the limb. You fight on the front lines. You take the hardest hits. You protect. You defend. You serve. And you do all of those things so that your wife knows that she is loved and cherished and free to flourish in all of the ways that God has gifted her. And she knows without a doubt that you can, she can follow you in joy because you love her even at the sacrifice of your own self. That's sacrificial love, men. You step out first like Jesus did for his church. So husbands, here's your homework, okay? On the way home, you get your flex on, right? Just a little bit. 
And before your wife does her homework, all right, we're taking the first step. Before your wife does hers, you're going to turn to her, kind of flex maybe as you're grabbing the wheel, and you say, I love you, baby. And as she hears that, she's going to get that kind of blushy, embarrassed grin that girls get when their man says, I love you. And ladies, you get to turn to him and say, why do you love me? Guys, there is no pausing allowed, okay? (laughs) You can't wait to think about this one. Come up with something on the fly. You got time now. I just gave you your assignment. Think about it. It can be silly or serious. It can go all the way back to because you said yes. I wouldn't even have a wife if you wouldn't have said yes, but you did. You could say, you've made our house a home. You gave me a family. You look hotter than the sun that's making your beautiful hair shine and your kissable skin glow, right? Like, come up with something. I don't care what it is, but tell your wife why you love her. There's something powerful that happens in a woman's heart when her man says, I love you. So I mean this. I'm serious. Say it, guys. Use words and speak life into your wife. Not only is she going to love it, the Bible says that when you do it, you are going to reveal the mystery of the gospel to a watching world. And they're going to see how much Jesus loves them when they see how much you love your wife. City Light. Marriage reveals the mystery of the gospel. When marriages reflect the body of Christ. The gospel was not created to make marriage better. Marriage was created to put on display the eternal beauty of Jesus Christ and his gospel to us. Here's how I want to end. As a church, we are about multiplying disciples in churches. That's our mission statement. Everything that we do here is to put Jesus on display, to lift him higher so that more people would see him and know him and enjoy him for eternity which means we want this book and the truths in it to change our daily lives, to change who we are and what we think and how we respond to God's grace so that the watching world can see and know who he is. City Light, I want the marriages represented in this room to build up the church, to lift high the head, to put on display the majesty and splendor and glory and great love that Jesus has shown his church. It is is not impossible. The Spirit empowers us to do this. Are you on board? Will you preach the gospel in your marriage? It is not easy, but it is my prayer that we will step into that minefield and we'll do it together.